so you know, against them. Like post-it notes. Post-it notes was a mistake? Yeah, they were trying to do some kind of glue, and it turned out that it wasn't strong enough to hold, but he, uh, the person who created this kind of glue found that people were using it <laughs> in his team to... To uh, stick things up on things. You know, yeah, just doing exactly the post it note concept, and that's how it came about. Fascinating. That's fascinating. It's just how things are. It is. I don't know why people think mistakes are a bad thing. (laughs) They got a bum bum rap, Diane. They got a bum rap. They do. They have a bum rap, Bill. We shouldn't stand for it. Which is probably why we're sitting here saying, It's 9.26 a.m. Saturday, April the 22nd, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Boy, you didn't even have to instruct me on when did it end there. It just ended. Well, you, I, I ended first, I think. Okay. Or I, you, and we weren't really synchronized you know, entirely. I did not do the gesture that usually cuts off yes. the oh, which was my mistake, Diane. I own it. <laughs> I want you to know that I am not going to try and cast aspersions anywhere else. It was totally me. I'm the one. I screwed it up. Why is there a car idling outside? You hear that? I do. Maybe it's a motorcycle. See it? No. Maybe it's maybe it's over in the parking ride. Maybe it's a blimp flying over the point or you know. Something like that. Or a, a large helicopter. Look look up there. Oh <laughs> it's coming this way. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm gonna take me a sip. Okay. It's been a long time since we did the Bill and Diane show. It has been. We're out of practice. Yeah, and we didn't really announce that we weren't going to be here when we before we yeah, left. Yeah, that's right. It never even occurred to either of us that, oh, we're going to be away from home for a couple of Saturdays. Hmm. Yeah, but we, we've had a pretty spectacular we've been out couple the, of weekends. We've been out in the elements. There they go. Let's hope that changes something. Bye. Bye, whoever you are. Bye, Rumble. It's been great having you here as part of the show. <laughs> That's an unpaid guest. That's how you do it, people. If you really want to if you want to do a podcast on a budget, you, you just, you know, you take what you get and you call it a guest. <laughs> yeah. But they were now, out of here. Here's the airplane now. We got the airplane. Yep. Yeah. Okay. No blimps. Yeah, no blimps, but also no money out of our pockets. That's very yeah, true. See, that's what I'm saying. We've got to be aware of these opportunities when they come to us accidentally. Which yeah, is our, our budget for this show is, you know, like zero. <laughs> it's actually, I think, in the negative numbers, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Well, our first weekend away. Wait a minute. It's been a... Oh, well. It's been a, uh, it's been a geographically... Um, extended a couple of weeks here in Lake Abundance. That's true. Yeah. Geographically extended. We, we left the comfort and relative uh, beauty. Relative? Of, or, sorry, ever-present ever beauty of the treehouse 
and uh, went out to other be- places of beauty that we are that are known to us. But it's always a bit of a stretch to just kind of pack it up and put it on the road for a couple of weekends. And first weekend we went out to Fox Island, and uh, it w- that was more the s- what I would call the social weekend. Yeah, it was the social because we were celebrating my mom's birthday. My mom turned eighty-eight uh, years old on April the 5th, and so we were out at Fox Island that following weekend, and my mom came out for a couple of days. We got together with Ken and Julie Higgins uh, in the uh, in the afternoon, and then um, I took the, my mom back into town, because it's only, it's like a, like a 25-minute drive to my mom's house from the cabin on Fox Island. It's the thing that is so magical about Fox Island, and it has always been true, is that though you are looking across at Tacoma, right? You're just across the Narrows from Tacoma. You feel like you're miles and miles, you're in a completely different environment than uh, what you're used to in town. So that's one of the magic things about Fox Island that's always been true and continues to be true. That evening, Scott and Rhonda Higgins came to the cabin, uh, and we have not had a sit-down, just the four of us, maybe once, one other time. Yeah, I think, entire, I think it's true, one other enti- time. Yeah, since, since you've been in my life. And, uh, of course, I grew up with Scott on Fox Island for eight summers, uh, eight pivotal summers, probably between the ages of eight and 17 or something like that. And uh, so it was good to see them. And we had a great conversation. So that was fun. And then my mom came out again the following day with Alice and Tremaine, my daughter and her, her significant other. And my son James came out also. And we had a little celebration of my mom's 88th birthday. So I made quiche. Diane made quiche, yeah, and we, we had some cupcakes that we had brought. And I think it was a, it was a lovely uh, encounter. It was lovely. Yeah, so we got, and we got to spend a couple of days on the island, and it was rainy for a lot well, of it, but, but I but took the, some great walks. Pretty much the whole time we were visiting with people. Yeah, it's true. So we the weather was not really uh, yeah. that much of a factor. But it was an interesting, because I've noticed there's a time of year here in Washington State where it will be pleasant in the morning, and then around midday it starts to rain and rains for the rest of the day. Yeah. That's and it'll true. be like that for days on it because I had, when we were when we were on Fox Island, I walked every morning. Didn't rain, get rained on once when I walked up out there, but it was always raining in the afternoon. Well, and also when we were over visiting with Ken and Julie, it was nice. Yeah, that's true. It that's was true. actually quite pretty when we came out. Yeah, that's true. So, it was wonderful to be back on Fox Island, uh, where there is so much of my memory is wrapped up in looking out at that particular piece of water. And, and the place that we stay is uh, an Airbnb that is... That is a cabin that was next door to our cabin that was built while we were summering out there. Um, and it belonged to a couple of little ladies that we... So we called it the ladies' house. I'm going by... Yeah, I want to cut pack back past the ladies' house and went over to the Tilners, you know, or whatever I'd say, you know, you'd say, the ladies. It was just the ladies, and that's the cabin we're staying in when we go out there. So it's a little A-frame cabin. Yeah, 
So it just it is uh, the same water I used to look out at as a kid, same big rocks on the beach. You know, you walk the same beach, and uh, it's pretty special. And it's not. I mean, everything of course is is uh, uh, supersized on Fox Island now. All the cabins are now palatial, uh, manicured homescapes. And uh, which is fine, as often happens in yeah, these that's, places that's that were more rustic when we were kids. And there are way more roads than there used to be on the island, and way more housing developments. And it's become kind of a bedroom community for Tacoma, which is yeah. pretty much what it was when when I was a kid. It was just the scale of what America saw as vacation property was, uh, you know, was more like it, it was a lot like more like having a cabin in the woods than having a summer home. You know, so. Yeah, that was a that was wonderful time. And then this last so weekend, enjoyed laughing and talking with everybody. It was just fantastic. And one of the reasons that we felt good about having this social weekend, where we were supposedly getting away from everything, and we just dove into a stew of social contacts, was that we knew that the following weekend we were going out to La Push, where it would be just the two of us, and we would be spending three nights out push and we knew that it was going to be rainy from the weather reports which we never mind um for several reasons first of all that we learned and we've spoken about on the show before that uh we love just being in this place that has no internet no television and we bring books and we read and Man, having a whole period of time where you can just read, I don't think that I take that time anymore, even though I can at home. Right. But while you're reading at home, you're thinking, oh, I need to do the laundry. Oh, and I need to, you know. But but when you're at the cabin, that's... There's nothing else to do. That's your conscience. That's your agenda. That's your agenda. And I uh, actually purchased a book, a couple of books before I went out, um, but one was a book that I read when I was in high school that I remembered being a real page turner. My mom had recommended it to me. It was a, it's kind of a adventure thriller kind of book, uh, but not really James Bond or anything like that. But it's by this author named Mary Stewart, who is actually just an incredible writer. And it's funny and, um, it was really like watching a long movie while I was <laughs> reading the book. But anyway, the other reason why we don't mind is because every single time that we go out and it says it's going to rain the entire time, we get, in between those rain breaks, we get incredible views. Yeah. And it's almost because, well, it's not almost, it is because of the the storm clouds that are passing through yeah yeah it is about the storm it's it's about the rain i mean we went out there we were there for three days and according to my weather widget there was 100 percent chance of rain the first day 90 percent chance of rain the second day and 100 percent chance of rain the third day and, and the first day it was sunny when yeah, we got out it was, there it was sunny and pleasant and when we first got there guys were out surfing and stuff like that it was like a a beautiful spring afternoon. That was the 100% chance of rain day. 
And then we got some incredible sunset pictures um, because of the clouds, uh, the storm clouds that were, you know, coming and going. Well, that particular day, it was uh, an... Uh, we didn't even post the photos from that because yeah. it seems so anticlimactic after the other sunset photos. But True. but there was a, a kind of a halo rainbow around the sunset on the first around day. the sunset on the first day, and that was quite phenomenal too. Yeah, I'll post one of those pictures. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the second day it was solid. We didn't have any break that day. I don't think. No sunset visible yeah no sunset visible no I, I think it was pretty solid all day long yeah except in the morning when I went for my walk but the third day there were a lot of sun breaks and that was um, for those of you who look at the cloud photos <laughs> yeah. it always is cloud photos when we were are out there because clouds over the so, ocean oh and, man and over James Island there but it always makes everything you know the clouds just take up the entire yeah. space because it's like the the size and magnitude the, this is where the sky meets the water so you got yeah. you got water you got sky and, and, and some rocks and the, and the rocks look teeny tiny yeah, when they're not true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they, that they, was i think one of the most dramatic sunsets we've ever seen yeah. um yeah, it, was, it was phenomenal yeah and it had multi-phases to it and and they were all spectacular for their own reasons so you were predicting it well i was sitting there it was raining hard (laughs) yeah that was the morning i got wet on my walk the third morning i got wet because i I was walking in the rain and loving it i was loving it because you go out there you take two sets of clothes right right so you can get one wet you know and hang it and drape it over the gas fireplace when you get back and it'll be dry in an hour or two and you know that's true and it's not that cold out, so you're, I mean, it's in the 40s, but I, I run warm, so I, I had a little polypro top, a, a long john top, and a, and a fleece pullover that was long-sleeved, and I put on my little vest and my hat and my, my walking shoes, pants, you know, and I just walk out there. Because, I mean, I would get just as wet if I was wearing a rain slicker, you know, because you sweat inside of that, so you end up wet either way. So just go out and get wet. And then I, and as the rain was heaving down upon us in the mid-late afternoon, I saw this patch of sunlight way out on the horizon. And I thought, hey. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. It seems to be moving this way. I bet we're going to have a sunbreak around sunset. You boy. I told Diane. That's good coffee. And I believed you. Did you? I did. You know, I, I am I said, the son okay. of a weatherman, you see. You are. <laughs> Well, you were explaining to me why you, you were saying the weather is moving this way and, you know. And you... What? Sorry. But I could see, because the clouds were moving so rapidly, I could see that you were right. Yeah. But uh, we did have some uh, an earlier break and then it clouded up again and it started hailing. Right. And that was, uh, after that hailstorm, that was when the sun started setting and we started seeing it. And it was just 
breathtaking. It was, it was almost like the Northern Lights or something because the magnitude is so huge and you're just seeing the colors shifting, the the clouds moving, and there is this huge or two huge uh, <laughs> fronts coming in yeah. that were dark gray and light gray and there so there is lots of uh layers to the clouds and then when the sunset started lighting up the clouds from underneath and uh the orange that it was causing to cast on the scene was because of the time of year it was the sun was <sighs> setting behind james island so yeah so you had a lot of good effect coming off the, from behind the rock i don't know man it was pretty darn spectacular for our final evening there. And we always, I, I love the fact that we go out for a few days. Yeah. And so you're, by the third day, you're really getting super relaxed. Yeah, the other thing that I do a lot when I'm out there is sleep. Um, for some reason, it's just like I can sleep there. I can take a four-hour nap at you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and go to bed at 10.30 or 11 and sleep all through the night and take another nap the next day and sleep through the night. And By the third night, I was I was a little more restless yeah. sleeping because I'd been sleeping so much during the day. But anyway, ah. it was nice. I read a great book called Metamorphosis that Hyden Reese had sent. Um, and it's about a guy who's a British... Uh, reporter who contracted MS and had secondary progressive MS and kind of his experience and stuff like that. It was a really good book. I would highly recommend it for people. If you know somebody with MS, it's a good way of kind of getting to know what the what it's like to, to have it because it's kind of Twilight zone sci-fi in your body. So, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, we've been away, but we've been back in between, and we're back now. And, you know, those kind of those are two places that we will go to repeatedly and know that it's going to, know what the experience is going to contain and be completely ready for it when it, when it comes. And still it's, be surprised and every still time. Be surpri- and still have things that uh, are unexpected that happen that just enhance it. La Push, I think, is my favorite place on the planet. I agree. Yeah. I mean, even more so than Cannon Beach, which was my touchstone place when I was a kid. But Cannon Beach um, has become very publicized internationally mm. for its beaches, and it's beautiful. And I will always love Cannon Beach because of my family history there but something about La Push suits this desire in me to have something wild yeah. you know because Cannon Beach is not as wild as I always felt like the Oregon beaches were absolutely astonishingly beautiful but when I started going to the Washington beaches I thought there's something about these beaches that is even more wild than the Oregon beaches and I, for some reason, something in my soul likes that wildness. Yeah. It's quite interesting. 
Although I haven't, I shouldn't speak to all Washington beaches, just the Washington beaches that I have gone to. Which are most, mostly on the Olympic Peninsula. Yeah, yeah. the Olympic Peninsula. But that whole trip out to La Push is a phenomenally beautiful trip because first you're on the ferry, which is always enjoyable and for it was, us. And it was, wasn't it sunny the whole time? The yeah. The whole drive, the whole, I mean, we, yeah, got, it was sunny we might the have time. driven through a few sprinkles here and there, but man, it was gorgeous all the way out It was out a there. great trip out, but, yeah. but then you're passing by Lake Crescent. Right. And Lake Crescent is a phenomenally beautiful area, yeah. going along those windy... Well, then you go through Port Gamble and across the Hood Canal Bridge, and after you get out of the ferry, and, you know, you just get a feeling that you're crossing some spits and inlets and waterways, and you're heading for the, the big one. You're heading out to, the, to where they all come from. The anyway, big it's... The Big Osh. The Big Osh. Yeah. yeah. My... My uh, my experience of that whole trip is always enjoyable from the moment we leave town. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that La Push remains as wild as it is is because it's on the Quileute Reservation. And, yeah, uh, the, it is run by the the tribe, and uh, I don't. There are plenty of casinos nearby. They don't need a casino in La Push. I think La Push kind of prides itself in being as rustic and kind of funky as it is. And God bless them. I hope it stays that oh, way. Oh, me too. There's, there's something that about being by the ocean and being in kind of a funky place that not only is breathtaking but is is humbling, you know. And I think we need that kind of or I do at least, I think I need that kind of sensation in my body from time to time to, rem- to kind of give me uh, a perspective on my place in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, the ocean does that. It makes you feel small and insignificant, which is good. And the sky. Because it's true. And the, the sky ocean does and the yeah. sky. Because that's all, if you walk out the front of the cabin, that's all there is, is the ocean and the sky. Out the back of the cabin, you got trees, yeah. And you got you got buildings and you got you know you got the fishing village of La Push, and uh, I love walking through the town of La Push and down to the end of the road and where the rivers come out and it's all very I don't know quiet in a certain kind of way. There's a lot. I, of, there's I understand a lot of it's much different during the summertime. Yeah, we've never gone during the summer. That's true. And apparently, it can get pretty wild out there. In the same way that Cannon Beach and Seaside probably do, there's a lot of vacation rental type houses. Yeah. People go there to party, right? You know, Fourth of July or you know spring break or whatever. And, uh, so we, we always try to go in the spring and the fall when it's not so busy. Anyway. It's quite an incredible experience, and I I think all the time about these beloved places that that you love and we were talking on the way back about uh, the fact that there we were going through these questions that the New York Times had and uh, you know just a series of questions to help people get to know each other and one of the questions was um, is there something you've dreamed of doing that you haven't done yet and why have you haven't you done it and my answer to that was, I've always dreamed about going to Scotland and Ireland and 
maybe Scandinavia. Um, and the reason why I haven't done it is because in a lot of ways, the places that I want to visit are a lot like the places around here that we love. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder if it would be, well, for me, I would miss home too much being gone a long time. And I, so I feel in some ways that the, the, the dream of it is almost more wonderful to me than the experience of it. Yeah. Although I may be totally wrong about that, but, um, anyway. Yeah. But as long as we have places like this right in our backyard, there's really no, no, um, pressure on me to fulfill a dream that's not in our backyard yeah so special places everybody's got them everybody's got them and the music for today is uh interesting because uh, i wouldn't have even thought about this for the music for today if it hadn't been for coming upon a an interesting video about the eurythmics and it's not the eurythmics it's eurythmics oh about eurythmics it just sounds weird to say about eurythmics that's the truth okay well about eurythmics because as i was watching it the the main thrust of the video was saying that there was that eurythmics became the big super group that they became because of MTV, which I was, I never had MTV that I can recall. And apparently at the beginning of the MTV experience, they didn't have enough music videos. To fill a 24 hour video channel. Right, so they started really opening it up to groups that were unknown and but had videos but had videos and they had a whole bunch of of uh videos that they were showing uh that nobody had ever heard nobody had ever heard and there were all these people like jerry baker and staying and the police what jerry rafferty oh i'm sorry jerry rafferty yeah the police and uh, flock of seagulls and duran duran and you know spandau ballet and people like that and uh, the Eurythmics were one of those groups that just happened to have a a video of their song called Sweet Dreams Are Made of This which is a which was an accident in its inception because Dave Stewart was playing around with this funky old synthesizer that he picked up used somewhere and the the, he was trying to create drum beats and the, the machine kept flipping the drum beats so that the so that the big boom that he wanted on the four was hitting on the one and you know and, and, and you know anyway i thought that was it was from a guy who was actually developing this well he new... was working with the guy they were waiting around for this guy to finish putting this thing together and they were trying out these beats and the thing kept flipping it and the guy said ah no no i can fix that and dave stewart said wait no i like the way that sounds and then they started layering various uh keyboard things and stuff over the top of it yeah. including some tapping on milk bottles and things like that and uh, they were in a they were in a room above a bakery or above a some other kind of shop and and they just recorded this these this first album in that apartment 
with an eight-track recorder that they happened to have, and that's how their first big hit album was made. And it was actually their second album. Uh, the first album they had done had not charted well at all, but it was done in much the same way. So. I was just so startled by all the information in that little video. Yeah, and, and then uh, Annie Lennox's look in that video created such a stir in the community that MTV actually pulled their videos off the air because there was some question about her sexual orientation or her se sexual right. identity. Or whether Was she a man? Was she a woman? And that was, was she transgender? Right. Was she... And that was controversial enough at the time to where they actually pulled the video off for a while. And uh, and you know Annie Lennox said that she was she was she liked the idea of playing around with gender stuff, and she hated. She they determined there was going to be no sexy chicks in their videos. There was going to be it was going to be the antithesis of that. So she was going to dress like a man, and. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah, there was a whole Hearing the whole there. history of that was so fascinating. And, man, if you have any interest in any of those topics, it's quite the the video. Yeah, I, you know, I had MTV later in its... Because I didn't, when I was in Spokane at college, I didn't have a television that I recall. Sue might have had one, but I don't think... This was before cable, or before any, any of us had cable. Cable might have been around, but we didn't have it. So, but I liked the Eurythmics. I had like five of their their first five albums that I really enjoyed, and, and you know I liked the I liked the songs that were hits, but I liked a lot of the things that they did because they were layering things in such interesting ways, and they really had kind of a with synthesizers and sampled drum beats and things like that. They really had kind of a Motowny kind of sound. Yeah, you know, and it was interesting listening to them do those kinds of songs using that kind of production and in instrumentation so that's what made them interesting to well, me. and her voices and her voice soaring above all of yeah, it yeah it's uh, amazing and dave stewart's a great guitar player and plus they had other guitar players that played on their albums and did some amazing work mixed in with these synthesizer uh, loops and, and things like that makes me want to mess around with that kind of stuff myself just uh, the idea of building a song rather than writing it on, on any one instrument. But I, yeah. I don't think I have. That sounds too much like work at this point in life. Well, I only had a Greatest Hits album of theirs and loved the whole album. Yeah. And, um, and then Bill said, I'll go find a couple of songs. And, and I said, I know I'll I love gone, them. I, I, I don't think I've heard anything that I just thought, oh, I don't like that song. Yeah. I had not listened to those albums into the deeper cuts for a long time, so it was fun picking out a couple, a couple of tunes to play for you today.
Yeah.